I'm super excited to start a new series with you all. We've been hard at it for like, what, five or so months on Philippians, and I'm not even mad about it because I've seen the fruit of it with you students, with my leaders, with myself. You think I just come up here to preach to help you guys gain knowledge? When I study and I come up with these messages, or the Lord helps me come up with these messages, rather, I'm teaching myself. That's why Paul says, preach these things to yourself, right? Preach these things to yourself. I'm helping myself. So I see the fruit in myself, and I see the fruit in you all from the past six months, and I'm not mad about it. But, hey, all good things must come to an end. I don't know who said that, but it's a true quote. And um, we have moved away from the Prison Talk series onto a new series. Now, we're starting a new series tonight that I've called Set Apart, and I'm going to kind of introduce that with the, in a way tonight. Um, but before I do that, I just want to say I really think that the way that I'm going about um, creating these series here lately have, has been the right way. It's been the thing the Lord wanted me to do, right? Like, the books of the Bible were written as books for a reason, okay? It's so that you can read them in completion. You know, it's, it's helpful. It's better to read, like, a scripture here and a scripture there and a scripture here than read no scripture. But the best way to read scripture is, uh, all right, let's start with John 1, okay? And then maybe I read John 1, verse 1 through 15 today. All right, we'll pick it up at 16 tomorrow. Okay, and then I'll work my way through the book of John because we, we want to see the picture in complete view and in context. And so that's what I think is good about the way that we're doing these whole books. And now we are going to be doing this series for a couple of months. Um, you know, we're not going to be doing a six, I don't plan on doing this for six months. And, um, but we're going to be kind of taking larger texts, you know. Sometimes in, the, in prison talk, we'd take like one verse, you know. It takes a while to preach a book when you're doing that. But we're going to take larger text. That's tonight I'm going to be using basically the entire chapter 1 of Daniel. All right? And um, we're going to be looking at those and trying to get the complete center message of this text. Now, the book of Daniel is, um, is labeled as one of the major prophet books in the Bible. Now, the Bible is kind of split up into categories, major prophets, minor prophets, the Psalms right, uh, a prophecy, uh, poetry. There, there's different categories of Scripture, and the book of Daniel falls under the category of major prophet. And what he does in this book is Daniel, the author of the book, um, talks about his life. He talks about the life of him and his friends um, and, and their adventure, not adventure, but their, their crazy life that they had due to the exile that happened when they were taken away from their home and into Babylon, right? Like, um, the, in the book Jeremiah, they start talking about, hey, this, this exile is going to happen. And it got Jeremiah, like, in some trouble. People did not want to hear that. But then it came true that this, this um, empire that was evil in its nature and apart from God and had many gods with a little g came and took them and displaced them and put them into exile. Now, the story of Daniel starts right there with him being taken from his lands and placed in Babylon. He, he, he talks about the things that he goes through, right? But this book shows us what it's like to live in a world, to live in a world that's different from you. This book shows us what it's like to go about living in a world where you are the minority, but yet, to not be taken over by the majority. This book is really helpful for us. This, 
This book is really helpful for us. John, uh, Jesus said in John 17, 14 through 17, um, that I have given them, there it is behind me, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Man, I love that text. Daniel lived in a world that hated him. You know, let's be honest. Daniel lived in a world that hated him. He was different from the world that he lived in, and that world hated him because of that. You see, Jesus knew and presently knows that we will be hated because of our following of him. That's just the truth. He says, look, they, don't take them out of the world. They, they're going to be hated because they're not of this world. He's, what he's referring to, he's not saying that you're angels. He's saying that you are not like the world, right? That Christians are not like the world. And because they're not like the world, because Daniel was not like the world, he was hated by the world. Why should we expect anything different? He doesn't say that, take them away from their hardships. Take them away from their anguishes. No, he says, I don't ask you to take them away from this world, but just protect them. Protect them. That's what Jesus said. Now, how do we become protected? We listen and read the scripture in its context. He says, by being filled with truth, for thy word is truth. So we're protected and able to see what's coming our way by being in touch with God through his scriptures. I want to talk to you tonight about the first step of being set apart. That's called being obedient. It's called being obedient. I want, to, I want to title tonight's message, Obedient to the Call. But before we get too far into that, I want to answer a question. You might ask, like, dude, what is he even talking about? What does it even mean to be set apart? Like, we need to at least get defined what that means if our whole series is going to be encircled around the idea of set apart. So I want to explain a little bit about what that is. And, and Peter, in, um, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter said, well, he quoted the book of uh, Leviticus and said, Be holy as I am holy. Now, he's not saying I am, right, like, like Peter. He's saying I am in reference to God. And, and the scripture in Leviticus says, Be holy because your God is holy. Now, that word, holy, right? We're like, how can I be holy, right? Well, it's another time for that conversation, but I'll give you a little snippet. You can't be. It's because Jesus is inside of you. That's the only reason you can't be. All right. <laughs> but he says, be holy. And that word holy in the Greek is hagios. You know, I like to do this every now and then. It defines it for a reason, okay? And the word hagios literally means set apart by and for God, different from the world, right? Now, let's look at that more closely before we really get started tonight. And I know you're probably like, we ain't started yet? Not quite yet. But let's look at that a little bit closer. It's defined as set apart by, right, supernatural. We can say it's supernatural right there. You're set apart supernaturally. That means that God's put you in a place to be set apart. And then you're set apart by and for God. It's purposeful. Guys, if you've never heard it before, your life has purpose. That God has a call for your life, and it's a call to serve him and be set apart from this world. 
Now, what you may do in that calling may look completely different than what I'm going to do and what I am doing. But that is not to negate the fact that you have a calling and that you've been placed in a certain spot purposefully. Because you have been placed there to be set apart by and for God. You want to be different? Be obedient to the truth. Let's learn a little bit. Our scripture tonight comes from Daniel 1. Uh, on the, behind me is going to be our main text tonight, um, verses 8 and 9, and then 19 and 20. But I'm going to read starting in verse 1, and then you can pick up with me at 8 and 9, and we'll continue to reflect behind me on these scriptures for the, for the entirety of the night. It says, starting with verse 1 in Daniel chapter 1, if you want to mark that, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Remember? The king of Babylon came to exile those in Jerusalem. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. That's interesting. I ain't got really time to dig into that, but we will one day. With some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar and the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Asphenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, Youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them these names. Daniel he called Belshazzar. That's a hard one. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. This is where we are right here. With the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, I want to go ahead and skip to verse 19 here. It says, And the king spoke with them, talking about Daniel and his friends. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. Now, guys, I know there's a lot of text there, and I cut out some scriptures because I don't want to confuse you. I want you to get what I'm trying to say, and there's, there's some stuff in there that I don't want to confuse you with. Now, what I want to say, guys, is that Daniel was placed in a position that was not his home. He was in another world, right? But let's see what he does in regards to obedience and in regards to being set apart. So the first point I want to make is that obedience requires determination. Obedience requires determination. Verse 8 says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. That word resolved, that word means it's a synonym for determined, right? Sorry, I'm cotton mouth. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. You see, determination deludes the likelihood of detouring, right? 
Determination de deludes, what that means is lessens the likelihood of making a detour, right? Detours are not good when you're, when you're walking a straight line towards Christ. You don't want to take a detour. And so when we're determined, we are less likely to do so. See, Daniel was given the opportunity to live like a king, quite literally, right? Like, even though he was taken from his home, out of his home, he was taken to the palace of a king, the Babylonian king. And the king told him and all of his friends, all you guys are going to eat and drink like me. Now, let's think about this. Daniel is supposedly, at this time of his life, a teenager. He's a young, a young man. I'm talking, we're talking about 15, 16, 17 years old. All right? And he was going to come into this palace and eat and drink the things of the king. But what did Daniel do? Daniel refused. You see, guys, sometimes we're given an opportunity to take part in what seems like a, a life of luxury, but really it's just an illusion. Like you've given the opportunity to be this person that you really thought would be really cool to be, that popular person, or, or this person with the, the really, uh, really good boyfriend, or this person with a really beautiful girlfriend, right? This life of luxury that you think you are, are needing and, and desire but really, it's just an illusion that we mistake like these worldly pleasures for godly blessings. And that's just not the case. We have to know what separates the two. How can we separate the two? Well, Jesus said it earlier. Sanctify them with your truth for your word is truth. Right? We need to know the truth. And the truth is given to us in Scripture. We're able to be able to. We're able to be able to. We are able to decipher between right and wrong godly and worldly when we are filling ourselves with the truth another way is when we come to know jesus guys he says that he will send his spirit right that's what he said and when we come to know jesus his spirit makes his home inside of us don't you know your body is a temple he says right and we have him living inside of us when we know him personally as our savior and that helps us to know right from wrong you know that feeling right don't get me wrong don't don't act like you've never had that feeling you're like i know this ain't right to do but i'm gonna do it anyway right we've all been there done that okay me as well i ain't perfect never do i act like it probably should act like it more but i don't okay and guys we all have that within us to decipher between the two it's been mentioned before that that the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom but to find its master I love the way that sounds. To find its master. Who's your master? Who, let's put it in better ter terms that you might appreciate a little more. Who is your leader? Right? How can we be obedient to someone or something that we don't know? Or don't have it, we don't have nobody to be obedient to? See, guys, delayed obedience is just disobedience, Tony Evans says. You see, Daniel could have been easily detoured from what God had called him to do had he not been determined to stay obedient. That's why de de uh, to be determined is a choice that has to be made prior to the expression of it, right? If we're determined to be obedient, if we are determined to be obedient, regardless of what may come our way and what issue we might face, and, and um, what's going on or what might tempt us, whatever falls in our way that can knock us off this Christian path, we are much more likely 
if we're determined to be obedient, to be able to see it through, right? Do you think Daniel made the choice to say no as the moment arrived? No, no, no. His determination was a choice made prior to its opportunity for it to arise, right? What I mean by that is, Let's give an example, right? Let's say you're in a relationship with somebody and um, you love this person or you really like this person, whatever, and, um, and things are getting all hot and heavy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Things are getting all hot and heavy and that's when you make this decision that this is not what God has for me. That, you know, I, I know that he's called me to live a life that brings glory to him and glory to my relationships. And I know this is not the case. But you waited till that moment to make that decision. Now, there might be some super strong folks in here, but for the most of us, that is the wrong time to make that decision, right? If you want to have uh, obedience, you need to be determined to do so. And the best way to do that is to plan prior, right? To have a plan prior to something happening. We gotta have our minds made up now that we'll be obedient to God before the opportunity presents itself to be obedient. Does that make sense? Hey, we gotta have our minds made up now that I, you know, regardless of what anybody says or what anybody does, I'm gonna make sure that if I ever have the opportunity to say something about you, I'm gonna do it. Rather than next time you get in a conversation with somebody and they're like, you know, I'm really my heart's just hurting. I've been dealing with lots of stress and anxiety. And you just go, yeah, that sucks. That was not be very kind, right? But instead, you determined in your heart that next time I have the opportunity to be obedient to what God has for me, I will. And that opportunity arises itself and you go, man, don't I know how that feels? You know, I used to struggle with that so much. I used to struggle with that so much. My heart used to be so burdened all the time for the things that I went through. But you know what helped me? I met this man named Jesus, and I know it sounds cliche, but let me just explain to you what he did for me. Whew! Doesn't that sound like a better answer? Doesn't that sound like a better answer? The difference is I made a plan before I needed it to happen. I was determined to make a choice prior to its expression. Are you determined to be obedient? Secondly, determination gets noticed. And um, we might think, well, well, by who? Well, let's read some scripture. Verse 9 says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Now, we could, people could take this and go the wrong way with it, but I don't want to do that. Right? I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. But determination and obedience does not go unnoticed by the one that counts. Right? It does not go unnoticed. But we have to make sure our motives are right. We have to make sure our motives are right. Why are we being determined? Why are we obedient to what God is trying to do in our life? Why, what's going on? Let's check my heart. Like, what do we do when we desire to have a starting position in sports? We ball out, right? We ball out. You, you, uh, you are the first one to show up to get ready for practice, the first one on the field, the last one to leave, right? You, you, you out-throw, out-run, out-hit everyone you possibly can. 
But why do we do this? There's, my, there's multiple reasons, but one of those reasons that I want to hit at is because we want to make an impression. It's, we want our obedience and our determination for that sport to be seen by the coach and prove that, that you're obedient and determined enough to, ha- to be gifted, to be given this position that you think you deserve. And I would say, man, there's nothing wrong with that in sports. Like, that is really, really good to just have that attitude that I'm going to get it. I'm going to work hard and train and get it. But let me say, we like to take that attitude and come to a life of Christ with it. You know, let me explain. You're like, oh, I cussed that kid out last week. Shoot. Let me make up for it this week. Let me make up for it this week by being obedient and having some determination with the things God is having me. You know what? I'm going to read my Bible this morning. I'm going to read my Bible this morning. Or, ah, I freaking looked at that online yesterday. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have looked at those pictures, those videos. Well, you know what? I'll just, I'll just, uh, let me go and be above and beyond today. And I'll, I'll balance that out. Right? Now, you might not think that there's a problem here, but I want to elaborate on what just the problem is there. You see, what we're saying when we do things like this is the only reason I have to be determined and obedient to the things of God is so that way he will love and forgive me. And then after I balance things back out, I can go screw some things back up and not be obedient and determined anymore. I can just do things for him until I balance that out in my heart and then I'm I'm fine. I'll just drop him like a a bad habit and I'll come back again when I need to abuse that relationship again. See, it might work in sports, but not in spirituality. That, that's not going to cut it. God shows us favor and compassion like he did Daniel. But see, guys, we're, we're given so much more than we actually deserve, really. Like, we're given by God. Every good thing comes from above, from the Father of lights, is what James says. We're given so much more. If you can't count one good thing on your hand right now, let me just tell you, you have one. You're breathing, okay? You don't deserve that. But you're given it. And we don't deserve the things he's given us. But he still does it. But what about when we have the wrong heart in this sense? When we look at it like the way I just explained. See, our desire to be determined and obedient to the things of God should rest solely on the fact that God deserves it. That's it. Not that we need to do something to earn some type of favor from him. That's a fake gospel. That's not God's gospel. And whoever tells you that, you just don't even listen to that. You don't. If you struggle with that, come talk to me about that. I'd love to reflect the true gospel to you. But we don't do things for God to earn something from him. That's not how things work. You know what that does? That puts, that puts the uh, salvation in your hands. And let me just tell you, you can't save yourself. Don't work that way. It don't work that way. Um, When we are obedient simply out of love for Christ, he notices it. Our obedience and determination, it gets noticed, and it gets noticed by God. That's a beautiful thing. Last part that I want to get to, guys, is this third point. Um, To be set apart means to Stand out. 
To be set apart means to stand out. And you're like, that kind of seems similar from the last one. Let me explain the difference. Verse 19 and 20 says, And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, excuse me, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters um, that were in his kingdom. Now, let me explain this title real quick. To be set apart means to stand out. Remember, set apart, right? Hygos. Hygios, rather. Right? This, this means to uh, be placed by and for God, set apart by and for God. It means um, to be different from the world. I want to think of it like this, like if you had a black wall, right? And I just took this big piece of white chalk. I don't know if they make one, but it's like a brick size, right? Like this, big, like this whole wall was black, and I just took this big piece of white chalk, and I drew a line down the middle of it. Your eyes wouldn't focus on the black, because it looks the same. You know what your eyes would focus on? The white chalk. It's like looking at the sky at night. It's this big black sky, and, and nothing's really focusing in, but then this huge uh, 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 shooting star comes across the sky. What does your eyes do? It focuses in on the difference. You see, guys, your obedience to God shows qualities that even unbelievers have to see. Your obedience to God makes you stand out as though you're that white chalk on a black wall. That people, regardless if they even believe in God, have to say and acknowledge, there's something different about that kid, and I like it. I like it. You see, my goal here at this church with you guys is not to see you come to church and have your Bible, although I do like that, right? Bring your Bible, I like that. But my goal is not to see you come to church and talk like a Christian or come to church and act like a Christian. My goal is to hear about you being a Christian apart from this church. I want to hear about you being a good person who loves the Lord everywhere you go. I want to hear about you being kind when you used to not be kind. I want to hear about you being a person who's fine in their singleness when you used to just have to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I want to hear about you loving the Lord away from me. Because anybody can act like they love the Lord. Who are you when I'm not around? Who are you when nobody in here is around? That's what I want to hear about. And I do. I do. By the way, don't, don't act like it doesn't happen. I do. You see, when we walk in obedience and are set apart, everybody notices. It's like, you know that kid? He's so nice. He's so respectful. <sighs> you know that, that kid, so-and-so? Well, they used to be so rude and like interrupting and disrespectful, but now like they just open the door for me and they're really sweet. They're nice. I don't know. It's, it's different. You know, that girl, she, she used to couldn't stand being alone. She put her love in all the wrong places. But now she just seems to be content with herself. And that makes me happy. Right, these are the things people say about people who walk in obedience to Christ. There's something about us. You see, our obedience, does, to, to, our obedience does more than just keep us close to God. It does, guys. 
it brings others close to Him. Like our obedience does more than just keep us near to God. It, it by nature brings others close to Him. It draws others to Him without them even knowing it. See, the king noticed these qualities in Daniel. The king noticed these qualities in Daniel. He compared Daniel to worldly wisdom, remember? He put him up against his, if I can go back real quick, he puts him up against his uh, magicians and enchanters of the kingdom. He, he, he acknowledged them against worldly wisdom and found Daniel to be ten times more wise. You see, what he noticed in Daniel was his obedience to God. And that obedience in God created qualities in Daniel that attracted even an unbeliever. Not only an unbeliever, but a wretched, evil man in Nebuchadnezzar. He brought Daniel near to him because Daniel had good qualities. And as a result of that, get this, guys, this is beautiful. As a result of bringing Daniel near to him in his inner court, as a result of that, in a few short chapters later, we see Nebuchadnezzar come to have an honest, real relationship with the one true God. A man of wretched evil brought close to God through the person of Daniel because he just liked the characteristics of Daniel, the characteristics that Daniel had by being an obedient man of God or young man of God. He was like 16. Nebuchadnezzar, an evil man, I believe, is a man we'll see in heaven one day. But he was saved. He was saved because who you are affects more than just you. Who you are affects everybody you're around. Now the thing is, how are we affecting them? Are we affecting them negatively? Are we leading them away from Christ? Or are we leading them to Christ? Because I'm telling you, there's no middle ground there. <laughs> there's no middle ground there. Now, I'm not perfect every day, but I pray that God perfects me in the end. Let's pray, guys. Father God, Lord, thank you for my friends, Lord. Thank you for my family. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this message has been challenging. Um, yes, it challenges me. But at the same time, God, I pray, Lord, that it has been uh, uplifting. That it causes them to see, hey, you know what? I've been doing some things wrong, and, and I'm going to make some changes tonight, God. And with all eyes closed, if there's anybody in here that just wants to just just profess to Christ, look, hey, I have not been a being, being obedient like you want me to be, and, um, and tonight I'm going to do so just out of love for you. Just raise your hand if that's you. you can keep your, everybody else keep their eyes closed. I'm just going to be obedient to you, God. I'm just going to be obedient to you, God. Hey, man, I'm with you. I got my hand raised too. There's nothing to feel weird about or uncomfortable about. I'm going to be obedient to you, God. Amen. Thank you, God, for who you are. You're a God. We are not, and we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.